All right, good morning. <laughs> hey, if you got your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. You can turn there, you can turn it on, you can look in your notes. We got it on the screen, a bunch of different places for you to have it. Uh, we're kicking off a brand new series today called You Asked For It. A couple months back, we did a survey uh, with all of our church, and we asked our church to tell us what are the top three things that you would like for us to preach on? And I uh, wanted to give you the opportunity to dictate what we preach on. And so you uh, responded. And so we got a bunch of cards in. Hundreds and hundreds of, of cards were submitted. And the number one thing that you asked that we would preach on is how to deal with difficult people. You almost got some difficult people up in y'all's life. How many of you got some difficult people in your life? How many of that difficult persons here? Don't raise your hand. How I many is that difficult person sitting next to you? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so we're, we're talking about how to deal with difficult people. And, uh, and I, I hope these kind of series of messages over the coming weeks will encourage you, help you, uh, strengthen you. And uh, we, we want to be as practical as possible uh, just to really give you uh, some things that can help you in life. And oftentimes we... we uh, I feel like every week we're trying to help you in life in general, but uh, these are going to be very specific to certain topics that we deal with. And so in the coming weeks, we're going to learn about how to deal with stress. How many of you got some stress in your life? How many they're sitting next to you too? Okay, no, don't raise your hand. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about stress. We're going to talk about family and parenting and uh, what does it look like to be a godly parent. And so uh, excited to just kick this series off talking about difficult people. And so if you got your Bibles with me, uh, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to look in verse 22, 23 through 26. I'll read it. You can read along with me. And it says this, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. Come on, that's a good way to kick it off. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with, what's those two words? Come on, let's try that again. With Come on, how many of you just glad the Bible knows what you go through? Come on, how many of you just glad those two words are in there with difficult people? I'm like, yay, God, you know what I deal with. Difficult people, I don't want to be patient with them, but we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. All right, so it says this, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps, perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth and then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap for they have been held, by, held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Come on, let's pray. Father, we, we submit this time to you for you to speak. And uh, we need you. When it comes to difficult people, we need you. And so, God, I pray that as we dive into your word today, that you would not only give us information, but you would give us a revelation that would change our hearts and change our lives. God, help us to work through this, to flesh this out. God, I thank you, Lord, that um, everything that you're going to share with us today is, is for our joy. God, and I pray, Lord, that you would be with us in this time. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Hey, look at the person next to you. Say, I'm glad you made it to church. Come on, tell them. I'm glad you made it to church today. Look at your second option and tell them you're going to need this message. Tell them you're going to need this. You... Let me just say this, as we talk about this topic, there's no finger pointing allowed in this service, by the way. <laughs> no finger pointing. Hey, I don't know about you, but uh, over the course of my lifetime, I have encountered a number of difficult people. 
A lot of difficult people. How I many you know there's a, lot of, there's a lot of difficult people in this world? Um, there's a lot of different types of difficult people in this world. And I believe we, we encounter difficult people for a number of reasons. Uh, one of them being we live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world. And so uh, difficult people just comes with us being fallen. Um, and so you're just going to have some people that are in your life that are difficult just because of sin. Romans 3.23, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us, no one's perfect. Let me... Maybe that's, you just need to hear that today. No one's perfect. Welcome to our Savior's Church where everybody's broke and jacked up and messed up. This is where we are. We're, we are broken people. And, uh, and a lot of times because we're broken, we deal with people that are broken. And uh, you encounter them at your work. You encounter them at your home. You encounter them in your neighborhood. You encounter them at your school. We just got difficult people all around us. Um, so that's one reason I think why we deal with difficult people. Second reason, though, is I think one, the place that you've experienced your greatest joy in life was with people. You know, whether it's the, the birth of a child or a marriage or a trip that you took with, whatever it is, most of the time, the greatest joy that we've ever had in life was with other people, whether it's family or friends. But the opposite's true as well. The greatest pain that you've probably ever endured in your life was because of people, right? Somebody hurt you. Somebody did something to you. Something, and I, I would be a fool to not acknowledge that in this room, there are many of you who are dealing with very difficult people. And so some of this we'll kind of laugh off and, 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 and have fun with, but know that I'm taking this very seriously also in knowing that some of you are walking through really hard relationships right now, whether that's with a, a spouse or a friend or a coworker or just somebody that you're, you're having a really hard time with. So what I thought I would do is to kind of help us get kind of started talking about difficult people is to share that there's all the different types of difficult people, because there's a lot of different types of difficult people. And so I have some images on the screen to help illustrate my point of difficult people. Okay, so let's talk about the first type of difficult person. You can write these down if you want. If not, you can just watch. The first difficult person you deal with is the hammer. I call this person the hammer. This person loves to argue. This person is aggressive. They can be harsh. They can be demanding. This is the type of person, you're wrong and I'm right. Anybody know somebody like that? This is the type of person, they are going to use intimidation to get what they want. They will try to intimidate you. They'll try to yell and, and be loud. And this is a difficult person. The second one is the megaphone. The megaphone. Now, the megaphone type of person likes to talk and talk and talk. And they talk, not only do they talk, they like to talk loud and often. If you get a phone call from a megaphone, you actually have to process if you want to pick up the phone or not. Because you know as soon as you pick up the phone, it will not be three minutes. It will be 20. You will talk for one of them, they'll talk for 19. Come on, how many of you know people like that? And these are the, also the type of people, they will talk you into submission. If you don't want to do something, they will talk you into it. So you're at, you, you finally get to the point where you're like, I've had enough. 
I'll just do it. Can you bake cookies for the school? No, I really don't want to bake cookies. Can you bake cookies? For, no, I really, you know, I got, I'm kind of busy. Can you bake cookies? I'll bake cookies, okay? That's, that's the megaphone. Always talking, always trying to get their point through the megaphone. Number three is the bubble buster. The bubble buster. This person is always negative. No matter how much great news you have, they always got something to bust your bubble. Like, oh man, my kid did great today. No, he was terrible. He was terrible. Oh man, this is a great, this, isn't this just a beautiful day? Yeah, it's not that good. Okay, like seriously, come on. There's always something that they're always negative about. They're always complaining about something. Something's always going wrong. They're the bubble busters. They're the type of people when you get around them, like they're just draining. You know any people like that? Number three, or number four, the volcano. Come on. How many of you have seen this? How many of you have been this person before? Come on. The volcano. The volcano, you never know when this thing is going to erupt. This type of difficult person is... is, um, you're, you're very careful around them because the slightest thing can make them go off. They, they will explode in, a, in, in the smallest of things. Things can get them very, very angry. Um, also, one of the things about the volcano is they love to spew scorching lot hava, lava at every person and everything. You know that a, a, a volcano has been in a room because everybody's been burned. Everybody's been burned by this person. Like they don't, they, there's no equal, they are equal opportunity offenders. They'll just offend everybody. Okay, so they're, when they're mad, they're just mad at everybody. I mean, just lava follows them everywhere. This is the volcano. Number five is the nitpicker. The nitpicker. This person is highly critical. Perfectionist might be a word that you would describe this person. Loves to point out your mistakes. This is the type of person they love to point out what was wrong. They are, they're, they're very, uh, if, there's, if there is any type of difficult person that I fit into, it's this one. Um, I have the ability to take something and look at it and figure out exactly what was wrong with it, even though 99% was awesome. I can find, a, oh no, that was that one good. And I can be a nitpicker myself. I, I deal with this one quite often. Highly critical of myself, highly critical of things, can be perfectionist at times. Anybody knows a, a nitpicker? Number six, the crybaby. <laughs> the shoe fits. I love you, LeBron. But he gets his feelings hurt way too easy. A crybaby, they always get their feelings hurt. They're, they're the type that love to have a little pity party. They're chronic complainers. They like to pout all the time. Seems like you're always offending them. You're like, dear goodness, what is it this time? Like always, always getting their feelings hurt. You, you, can, you can just be like, hey, it's a great day today. And they're like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, what's going on? Like, what's happening? This, and the, the, the thing about the crybaby is they, they pout or cry to get control. So they use crying as a mechanism to get you to do what they want. So it's like, we're going to go eat Mexican. I don't want to eat Mexican food. I'm tired. I want to eat. Fine. Fine. We'll go. You know what I mean? They use that as a manipulation to get what they want. So they'll just be emotional. 
So these are just a number of the different types of difficult people that we have in our lives. But let me say this, because we're going to dive into what, how does the Bible say that we deal with difficult people? Because there's a way that we're supposed to deal with it. But let me, let me just say this real quick. Um, you can't control what people say about you. You can't control what people think about you, but you are in 100% control on how you respond to these people. Y'all hear me? You can't control what they think about you. You can't control what they say about you, but you are in 100% control of how you respond to these people. And so that's what this message is about, is how do, how do we deal with these type of people in our life uh, today? And so let's, let's jump right into it. Number one. We have to refuse to be offended. We've got to refuse to be offended. Proverbs 19.11 says this. It says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to what? To overlook an offense. It is to your glory to overlook an offense. What this really means is don't take it personally. Don't take it personally. Difficult people in your life, when they are mean, when they are rude, when they are upset, they're revealing themselves, they're not revealing you. They're revealing themselves, not you. And too oftentimes, we take it personally. We take it on ourselves, we get offended, and I believe oftentimes we, we, we don't realize, we don't consider the source of where it came from. And so what I mean by that is, you don't know what's going on in somebody's life and what causes them to act. Maybe you do. There's some times that, that you do. But for the most part, let's, let's be honest, most of the time where we get most frustrated and mad at is people at our job, right? At work. You get mad at people. But those are probably some of the people you know the least as far as background-wise and what's going on. You don't know what's going on at home. You don't know what they're struggling through. You, you don't know that they could have been molested or abused or are walking through tragedy. Are y'all with me here? You don't know what's going on. You don't know the heartache of what's happening. And, and the, the adage is true. Hurt people hurt people. And so people that are extremely hurtful and mean, oftentimes they're not revealing you. They're revealing themselves, which shows you this is a hurt person. And so if we could get beyond our offense and look at the source and see this is a hurt person, I think we would have a lot more grace on people because we have no clue what people are walking through. We, know, we have no clue what they're battling. In the words of the iconic pop culture queen, Taylor Swift, shake it off. Shake it off. Somebody does something to you, shake it off. Just shake it off. I mean, Her words could not be so true. Just shake it off. You can't please everybody. Some of you need to hear this. You can't please everybody. You can't please everybody. Hey, just want to let you know, you can't please everybody. And here's how I know you can't please everybody. Because Jesus couldn't please everybody. And how much of a fool would we be to try to do something that Jesus couldn't do himself? Jesus could not please everybody. Did y'all know that Jesus had a lot of difficult people in his life? A lot of difficult people. We'll talk about them in just a minute. But you're not going to please everybody. And if you're not going to please everybody, then go ahead and refuse to get offended at people. Number two, this is a big one. Refuse to retaliate. Now, this one's going to hurt. 
1 Peter 3.9 says this, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Come on, how many of you wish it would just, I, I wish, man, that just right there is hard enough, okay? When somebody does something to you, don't go do something back. When somebody says something to you, don't say something back. That, that okay, I get that. We're going to try. We're going to work on that. But how many of you know, like, God doesn't stop there. Like, it would be nice if he'd stop there, and that's it. But he continues, and he says, instead. Like, why does instead have to be there? Instead, pay them back. Oh, I'm going to pay them back, all right, with a karate chop to the neck. All right, I'm paying them back. And he says, but I got to keep reading. <laughs> pay them back with a blessing. Oh, I'm going to bless them. And this is what he says. That is, that is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. Come on, how many want the blessings of God on your life? I don't know about you, I do. And the Bible says that if you want the blessings of God on your life, then you can't repay evil for evil. You can't retaliate insult for insult. You've got to be a blessing to people that deserve it the least. And so we refuse to retaliate. How many of you know that this is hard? It's a lot easier to read than to do. Anybody, any other honest people in here? It's way easier to read this. It's a lot harder to do it. A lot harder to do it. I mean, this is hard stuff. This is hard. The flesh wants to respond. I want to do unto others as exactly they've done to me. I want to. You know, driving down the interstate, accidentally cut somebody off, they swerve around you, they come up on your bumper, and then they swerve around you and give you your number one. I want to go back around them, get on their tail, and then swing around them and give them your number twos. You know, that's, that's what I want to do. Then I got to realize I'm pastor of our Savior's Church Jennings, and then <laughs> probably can't do that. And then it's probably a church member, by the way. It's usually how it works. And it's funny because some people in church will do that. They'll get up right on me just to mess with me because they know it's a pet peeve of mine or they'll get in front of me and go really slow because slow drivers are a pet peeve of mine and so I want to swing around and give them a little about and I'm like hey. <laughs> don't do that to me it's a way to get kicked out of this church but we want to do unto others as exactly they've done unto us if you've had a clerk that was a jerk come on have, anybody have a clerk that's a jerk you know, or ever gone up to, you know, eat, you know, and you're going to order, and they're like, what you want? Like, I just want some chicken. I just want, just coming to Popeye's. I don't know. I just want a three-piece. everything. But yet again, remember, you don't know what's going on on the other end. Those people have been there from 5 a.m., gotten chewed out by all these other, you know, you with me? Those Walmart clerks and Piggly Wiggly and all, you know, you just don't know what's going on. You don't know what pressures they're facing from a boss. You don't know what's happening in their lives. And so when they do that, you, you immediately want to do it back. That's, that's the natural kind of inclination in our own heart is to do back to them. This happens in our marriage. You know, your, your husband says something to you, you know, or, you know, your wife says, hey, I, I'm really bothered by this. You're doing this and it's really upsetting. And you're like, oh, well, since we're talking about stuff, <laughs> let me pull out my notepad. Y'all with me here? 
you want to fire back at them for all the stuff because you want to get it off of you and get it back on them. And so we retaliate with words. And oftentimes where we've got to watch this the most is in our words. Uh, let me show you, let me show you a verse. Um, Ephesians 4:29. And how many know if anyone, before I read this, if anyone could retaliate, Jesus had plenty of reasons to retaliate, right? I mean, hung on a cross, constantly, you know what I mean? Like if I'm Jesus, I'm like, all of you are mice and your wives are cats for the day. Like I'm just, that's how it's going. Let's see how it goes. Like, you know what? Jesus could have just straight up just said like whatever, you know? I mean, Jesus could have simply retaliated with anything, but he didn't, he didn't. And I'll, let me say it this way. Your, mature, your maturity emotionally and spiritually is revealed by how you treat those who mistreat you. I'll say it again. Your maturity, emotionally or spiritually, is revealed by how you treat those who mistreat you. So if you fire back at somebody when they fire back at you, that just shows where you are as much as it showed where they are. Let me show you. Ephesians 4.29. Don't use foul or abusive language. That's not just cussing. It's not just cussing somebody out. It does include it, but it's not just that. It says, let everything that you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. See, what ends up happening is when we get hurt by difficult people, we want to go do this thing that the Bible says is sin called gossip. You know what gossip is, right? Gossip is sharing information to someone that is not the solution or the problem. This is what we want to do when someone in our life, whether it's a difficult boss or spouse or whoever, does something in our life, we want to go find somebody to take our side, right? So we'll pick up the phone and go, you won't believe what such and such just did, and we will just spew whatever else that, that person has done in our life. Not because we want help from that person, but because we want them to take our side. There's a difference between calling somebody and going, man, help me process through this. I want to get healed in this. I need help. I need... That's one thing. But it's another thing just to do that because you're trying to get people on your side. And what you're also trying to do is trying to get those people to be mad at them like you are, right? So like when they see them at Walmart, they're like, I can't believe you. And you're like, what did I do? I didn't do anything to you. You did it to my best friend. You know what I mean? Like it's that's what we do. And now this is what ends up happening. All these other people carry your offense towards somebody else when it was never their offense to carry. And that's what gossip does. Gossip always hurts three people. It always hurts three people. It hurts the person talking. It hurts the, the person listening. And it hurts the person that you're talking about. It's destructive. Gossip destroys more churches than anything. It destroys more marriages than anything. Instead of the wife going to the husband and working through that, they call their mama and their best friend and this best friend and this person and this one. And so what ends up happening is, is you create even more division. And this verse says that we aren't to, we, everything that we do needs to be good and helpful. Every word that we say should be encouraging. Gossip is a form of retaliation. It's a form of us getting back at that other person by not talking to them, but talking about them. And so oftentimes, 
let, let, me, let, me give you, let me give you some tips here. First off, if, if this is you, and when people hurt you or you've got difficult people in your life, you do this, you need to make that right. You need to repent and get that right. That is wrong. And listen, I have done that many times, many times. I've, I've, I've come home from, from, uh, from work and, and, and want to just go off on difficult people that have been in the church. And I catch myself. Sometimes God's caught me. We all deal with this. I'm stepping on my own toes as I'm stepping on yours. Because God's word tells us that this is wrong, that this is sin. And there's nothing that brings greater division in marriages and in families and in churches than this right here, where the words that are coming out of our mouth are not uplifting, they're not encouraging, but they're, div- they're divisive. And, and they are trying to hurt and cut down. And we use our mouth to do that. And so if you want to deal with difficult people the biblical way, refuse to retaliate. Refuse to retaliate. Redirect it. When someone comes to you and says, I can't believe such and such did this. Here's your question. Here's the question you ask. Here's how you diffuse it immediately. Did you talk to them? Did you talk to them about this? Well, no, they ain't going to understand. Well, let's try. Let's try. Oftentimes people come to me and go, man, I need to talk to you about something. And I'll ask them, something or someone? And they'll go, well, <laughs> if it's someone, I first, I want you to go and talk to them. And there's times, you know, where you need to come and sit down with the pastor. You sit down with somebody and go, man, talk me through this. How do I work through this? If you're trying to get it. But if you're just trying to get sides, are y'all with me here? If you're just trying to get sides so people can be on your side, that's wrong. It's wrong. I know it got real quiet in here. <laughs> I don't like this as much as you do because this is really hard. So we refuse to be offended. We refuse to retaliate. Number three, listen to this. We refuse to play the game. We refuse to play the game. Jesus was the master at not playing the game. Matthew twenty-two eighteen. the Pharisees were trying to get him to, to, to jump into their game of arguing over different things. And Jesus says this, but Jesus, look at this, but Jesus knew their evil motives and he says, you hypocrites. He said, why are you trying to trap me? How many know that difficult people love to argue and debate? It's what they feed on. They love to argue and debate with you. That's what difficult people love doing. And they love to make you crazy. I call them crazy makers. They love to make you crazy. And the way they, they make you crazy is by trying to get you to argue with them and debate with them. And the best place that this plays out, I, I alluded to this a little bit last week, but the, I think probably the worst place it gets played out oftentimes is publicly on Facebook. So somebody will post something, a difficult person will usually post something, and they'll post it with the whole intentions of trying to stir the pot and so you read it, and you're like, oh, like everything inside of you. And you're like, you want a comment? I got a comment right here. It's coming for you. And you're like, by the way, I got eight comments for you. And you start typing away and send and send. And what you think about that one? Send. And what you think about that one? Send. And you know what I mean? And you, you feel like in some way that if you could just 
reason with them or explain yourself or whatever that they would just get it right. But how many know difficult people don't use reason? They use emotions. So difficult people are usually spewing out of emotion and you can never reason with someone who's emotional. How many of you have ever tried to reason with somebody who's got their mind set on this is how it's going to be? And so oftentimes we want to use that. And, and so difficult people use conflict as a way to get your attention. And let me tell you why you don't need to fall into that. Because as soon as you comment on that, the hook has been set. The hook's been set. And now all of a sudden they got you exactly where they wanted you. They put that on there knowing you would see it. And knowing that you would respond to it. And then guess who looks like the fool now? You do. Because you got, so I'm, I'm trying to save you from having to go through that. That'll lead to my next one in just a minute, but we need to be careful in not playing the game. Don't play the game. 250 years ago before the internet, Thomas Paine, who was a part of the American Revolution, this is way before Facebook, this is what he said. He said, to argue with a person who has renounced the use of reason is like administering medicine to the dead. <laughs> Let me ask you this, how many people does it take to argue? Two. Two. Let me show you, because this is how it works. When one person walks away, there really is no argument. There's just, they're just talking to themselves, and they look weird. <laughs> the Bible actually talks about this, actually. Look at Proverbs 22.10. Throw out the mocker, and the fighting goes. Quarrels and insults will disappear. So sometimes the way that you don't play the game is you walk away because they want you to play the game. And as long as you're right there, you want to play the game. But sometimes the best thing to do, and even in marriage sometimes, to be honest with you, words are flying, words are flying, and you just need to go, you know what, I've got to step away from this for a minute and, I, and, and pray and see God and get my heart right and, and then I can come back. But as long as, it's, as long as you're adding fuel to the fire, the fire continues to stay that way. As soon as you step out and no longer add fuel to a fire, how many know a bonfire that doesn't have fuel will eventually die? It will eventually die. And so difficult people use arguing and debating as fuel to continue to fuel that fire. But if you don't join in on the party, it's not there to be fueled. So we've we got to refuse to play the game. Number four, this is a big one. I think there's a lot of misconception on this one. Number four, we've got to refuse to be a doormat. See, mo a lot of Christians, I think, think that the way to deal with difficult people is just to let difficult people have their way. And we think that oftentimes as Christians, because we, we profess that we love God and we love people, that if people will push and push and push and push to have their way, that we just need to be the most loving and we need to be generous and we need to think of others ahead of ourselves. And so what we do is we let these people dictate what we do and so we just let them have their way and do what they want to do. But the Bible also says don't let what people, don't let what you think to be good for people to call it evil. 
So that means God has never, ever, there's not one scripture in the Bible that says that as Christians we're called to be doormats where people walk all over you. There's nowhere in scripture that God calls you to do that. Actually, Paul rebukes the Corinthians for letting people walk all over them. Look, at, look with me in 2 Corinthians 11. You put up with it when someone enslaves you and takes everything you have and they take advantage of you. Come on, how many of you know difficult people that are trying to take advantage of you? Look at this. And, and they take control of everything. And not only that, they slap you in the face. See, here's the difference. I think as Christians, we've, we have... We have put forgiveness and trust in the same category. So this is what we think. We think that because we forgive somebody, we automatically have to trust them. And that is actually the furthest from the truth. Let me give you a for example. Maybe, uh, and maybe this is an actual, a real example. I don't know, but maybe this is a real example in here. Or you know people where a husband has been very abusive to his wife maybe physically or verbally, and been abusive and abusive and abusive, and finally the wife finally gets enough courage to say, I've had enough. Get out of my house. And the husband leaves. And days go by, and the husband comes back, banging on the door. I'm sorry, baby. I'm not going to do it again. Now, right there at that moment, the wife has a responsibility to forgive the man. You know why? Because the Bible says so. The Bible says that we have to forgive those who've hurt us. But she doesn't have to let them back in the house. That's trust. See, here's the difference. Forgiveness is instant and by grace. Trust takes time. Trust takes time and it's by works. So even though she, and this is how difficult people will throw it back in your face. I thought you forgive me. I thought you loved me. I thought you, come on, isn't that what Christians people are supposed to do? Aren't you supposed to love people? Aren't you, you ever heard that before? Aren't you supposed to? And so what ends up happening is, is they want to treat you like a doormat just because you go to church and you love Jesus that all of a sudden you're supposed to let everybody back in your life that's hurt you. And that's not the case. Because forgiveness is quick and it's by grace, but trust takes time. And so trust needs to see the fruits of that forgiveness. Well, if you have changed, then this is what you need to be doing. This is where you need to be going. This is, I need to see this. And so, and so oftentimes I find when it comes to difficult people, difficult people, because we're Christians, know how to play the Christian jargon and be like, you know, don't judge me. You should be forgiving me. I do forgive you, but I don't trust you. And just because I forgive you doesn't mean I invite you right back in to hurt me again. Y'all with me here? You get hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt. And at the end of the day, you've got to hear from God to find out when is that time to allow that person. That happened for me in my, my relationship with my own father. My father went, committed adultery on, our fam on my, my mom, did some things that he shouldn't have done. It was just a bad situation. It was a bad thing. And for years, I held such unforgiveness towards him. I was so mad. I was so mad that what he did, my mom had never held a job in her life because my dad had always been the provider. And now all of a sudden, my dad went up and left my senior year, and my mom had to get a job. 
And I was mad. There's so many different things I was mad about. And I was, I was angry towards him and, and things that he had done to my, my brothers and sisters. And just there's so much of that was inside of me. And I felt like I could never, ever forgive him. I never could forgive him. And God spoke to me one day and he said, he said, Josh, you'll never forgive your dad more than I've had to forgive you. <laughs> you'll never have to forgive your dad any more than I've ever had to forgive you. And, and God reminded me of how much I have failed him and how much I've done what my dad had done to me that I had done to God, saying things that I would do and I didn't do, just living that lifestyle. And so finally, I came to a place where I was, I, I, I called a meeting with my dad. He lived in another city. I drove there. I sat at a restaurant table across from him and cried my eyes out and told him how much he hurt me, how much he had hurt our family, but that I forgave him. And he's crying. And, uh, and I told him, I said, because uh, I, had, I had grandsons now. And I, and I told him, I said, listen, I forgive you and I love you, but I just want to let you know our relationship will probably never be the same. My kids will never come over and spend the night at your house. My, y'all, do you all understand? Because I don't trust you. I don't trust you yet. I forgive you but I don't trust you. And so we begin this journey and it's been years now we've begun this journey where he finally, after probably over a decade, finally came to my house where I felt comfortable for him to come into my home. And then over the years, it's just been different things where now that over time and I'm seeing true repentance in his life that he's now involved more in my boy's life and there's things like that. But come on, that took some time. And so even though I forgave him in that moment, the trust took time. And when you have difficult people in your life, there may be some trust that's been broken. Because I mean, you know, trust takes time to gain, but it's quickly lost. Yes, amen. Quickly lost. You could, t- you could spend 20 years building trust and in one foolish decision, lose it all. And then you got to build it, rebuild it again. And some of you are in relationships like that. So I just want you to know, you don't have to be a doormat. But that also doesn't give you reason to be self-righteous and judgmental and holding that over people either. You know what I mean? You've got to work through that and ask the Lord to help you to figure out what is the right thing. Is this helping anybody? I hope it is. Hey, last but not least is this. So we refuse to get offended. We refuse to retaliate. We refuse to play the game. We refuse to be a doormat. Now we've got to choose something. We're going to refuse all those things. Let's choose something. We're going to choose to overcome evil with good. That's what we're going to choose to do. We're going to choose to overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 17 through 18 says this. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, come on, I like that, if possible, meaning that sometimes it might not be possible, but if possible... So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. So how do we overcome evil with good? How do we overcome the things that are in our life that try to bring us down? Number one, pray. Pray. I'm going to show you this. Matthew 5, This is Jesus' words. These are red letter words. Jesus says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Come on, how many of you know if there was any verse in the Bible that would be omitted? That would be the one. 
<laughs> I, no, nobody highlights that one like, oh, I love this. All right, love. I actually hate this one. Um, love your enemies. Now look at this next word, pray. Pray for those who persecute you. So you got a difficult person in your life? You got something that's going on? You know you're going to go to work and have a difficult person? Let me encourage you with something. Pray first. God, I'm about to go into this workplace with this boss. You know what this boss is like. And you know I want to bless him in a different way. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And here's why we pray. Let me tell you why we pray. We pray not just so that they would change. We pray so that we would change. See, because prayer makes you see things differently. When you pray, you see things differently. When you can get to a point where you can pray for your enemies, you see things differently. You see things differently. And the way that we overcome evil with good is we begin by praying. Number two, we bless. Come on, yet again, why has why this got to be in there? Romans 12, 14. So not only do we pray for those who persecute you, now you got to bless those who persecute you. Come on, God, you got to take it to the next level. Bless and do not curse them. This is the very definition of what real love is. Because how many know it's easy to love people that love me? If you love me, I love you. You're one of my favorite people. If I am your favorite person, you are my favorite person. We love each other. Now, if you don't like me, I don't like you. But the Bible says that not only do I got to like you, I got to love you. And that's what he says here. And this is, I believe, the greatest definition of what true, real love is, is real love is loving those who hate you, insult you, persecute you, despise you, and want to use you. That's real love. If they insult you, you bless them with kindness. If they're unloving, you bless them with love. If they're resentful, you bless them with forgiveness. You're just constantly seeking ways to bless those people that are hard and difficult in your life. And number three, forgive. Forgive. Ephesians 4.32, instead, here's that word again, instead. There's things you should be doing. Instead, be kind to each other. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. See, I think we need to pray, God, give me a tender heart and a tough hide. Tender heart, tough hide. The truth is, though, we got the opposite. We are tough-hearted and tender hide. So we're hard towards people and get offended easily. We're always offended, always offended by people, always offended by different things because we got a hard heart and we got a tender hide. We need to pray, God, give me a tender heart towards people, tender hearted, that you would be tender hearted, tender heart, tough hide for others. See, oftentimes when we talk about forgiveness, we don't realize that we close our arms to others when Jesus has extended his arms to us. Right? We close off our arms to those who have hurt us, to those who don't like us, to those who have said things about us, we close off our arms to them and yet not realizing that the great news of the gospel is that Jesus extended his arms to people, to difficult people like you and I. Come on, how many know we are difficult people to love? You may think you're awesome, but the truth is you're difficult. And all these difficult people that we talked about today, We've probably been them all. <laughs> we wrestle with those things. 
And the cross of Jesus Christ is the only model that you have and that I have on what love does in the face of wrong. See, the love doesn't call wrong right. Love doesn't ignore wrong and hope that it goes away. Love doesn't turn its back on you because you're wrong. Love doesn't mock you. Love doesn't go passive and stay silent. Love moves towards you because it realizes that you are wrong and you need rescuing. See, God's graces us with this kind of love so that we can be tools of this love to those that need love. And this is what the promise is, Proverbs 16, 7, and we'll wrap this up. And this is what it says. It says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Wow. When we do what God calls us to do, we refuse to be offended and refuse to retaliate and refuse to play the game and refuse to be doormats and choose to overcome evil by love. When we do the things that God says that these scriptures say for us to do, when we please God in these ways that even our enemies will be at peace with us. And as, as your pastor, I pray this for you. I want this to be you. And I pray that God would give you this ability because everything that we're talking about today, you can't do on your own. You can walk out of here and go, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for them and I'm gonna bless them. But I'm gonna tell you, apart from Jesus, you can't do this. Because everything inside of you wants to do the opposite. And so we need God to do the commands that he's called us to do. Come on, I want you to bow your heads all across this room. And I wanna pray over you today. I want to pray that you would experience peace and strength as you walk out relationships. God, I pray, Lord, there are those in here that have been wounded and hurt by people. Lord, maybe there's wounds right now, open wounds and open hurts. And I pray that you would heal today. There's, there's those that are in here that are frustrated and angry and God, as we even talk about difficult people, there's just certain people that are coming into their mind right now. And, and God, I pray, Lord, that you would flood their hearts with grace and mercy. God, there's those today that have been holding on to unforgiveness towards people for so long. And it's literally been like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. But on the inside, they're, they're dying. They're the ones that are reaping the, the pain in their own life from, from holding on to this. God, I pray today that you would help your people to walk in prayer, in blessing, in forgiveness. God, that they would even walk out of this place not holding on to that. If there's unforgiveness, God, that today that they would make that right. Even if maybe they got to go meet with somebody to make things right, God, I pray, Lord, that they would, we would take your word as it is. God, that you would help us. And with all heads bowed right now at this moment, there's those of you maybe in here and you have been doing life on your own. And, and I'm here to tell you, you can't live any of this out. You will continually, continually live frustrated and exhausted until you surrender to Jesus and let him help. This is what Jesus specializes in. This is what he's good at. And there's some of you in here today that need Jesus. You need a new heart. You need to surrender to him. And so I want you just to pray this with me. 
We're going to pray this all together. And I want you to pray this. Say, dear Jesus, I accept you in my life. I confess my sins for their many. Thank you for taking them on the cross. Thank you for rising again and giving me new life. Forgive me of my sins. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for a fresh start that begins today. In Jesus' name.